0: Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing? He is risen. Hey, guys. My name is Blake. If we've never met before, I am one of the pastors here at Bedrock. And it's really an honor and a privilege for you to spend time with us this morning as we celebrate the greatest day in human history. And uh, now, I got a little self-conscious this morning because, like, I was walking around and I'm I'm suited and booted today, if you've noticed. And so... um, Some of y'all came up to me, you're like, you look so good. And I was like, thank, thank you. And then I thought, what do I look like the rest of the time? Like, this is like, you look so good. I was like, oh, I just changed my clothes. And what I hear is like, you dress like garbage most of the time. And so... Thank you. Hey, if you notice, it's a little bit warm in here. Uh, We think we had some AC moments this morning, but here's what we're just going to say. We're just worshiping like the early church, okay? And so we're going to enjoy this. We're going to be a part of it. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're going to celebrate that in the most fitting way possible for people who have said yes to Jesus to baptize them and to remember what happened and that they were buried in the likeness of Christ's death and they were raised to walk in newness of life. So right after service, would you guys do me a favor? Would you guys stay and hang out for just a minute and celebrate with people so we can cheer them on just like heaven is cheering people on and just be a part of that day? All right, guys. Thank you. All right. So I have a question for you. Have you ever felt like there's something that's just too good to be true? Have you ever felt like, man, like that is just like, it sounds good, but that is too good, right? That, that, is, that is too much, And I don't know about you, but like I didn't grow up in church. So when I started to hear about Jesus and the resurrection and that if I believe in him and confess in who he is and believe that he died in my place, that I'd be fully forgiven. And that I would give Jesus all my sin, all my shame, all my sorrow, everything that I had. And then he would in turn give me his love, his acceptance, his grace, and his righteousness. And I don't know about you, but like, maybe that just sounds a little bit too good to be true. And so like, when you think about Easter messages, you know, we all celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We all celebrate this day where where a tomb is empty. You know, when we take people to Israel, we always take them to two spots of possible locations of the tomb of Jesus. And everyone's like, why do you take us to two possible locations? The reason is, is because he's not there. So we don't know where he was buried. Amen. (laughs) And so what happens for a lot of us is, is the good news of Jesus, for some of us, it's just a little bit too good to be true. And, you know, for some of us in the room, like I know, like if you, were, I didn't grow up going to church. So the only time I really ever went was Christmas and Easter. And then I'd hear the same message every year. And I thought, man, we got some people in here that we want to like, let's have a message today. And as I was preparing and reading and, and getting ready for what was happening as we remember this, here's what I realized. The resurrection is this incredible moment that we celebrate, but it's only as good as we believe it. It's only as good as we believe it. And you may be in here and you're like, I, I don't know Jesus as my savior. I don't, I'm, just, I'm just here with my family. Okay. Or I've tried the church thing and I it's not for me. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but there's parts of my life where the goodness of Jesus just seems a little bit too good to be true. And so today we're going to look at a guy in the Bible that really we're going to look at the first celebration of Easter. And there's this guy named Thomas in the Bible. Know? Thomas is this guy. He has a really famous nickname, which I think is a little unfair. He's called Doubting Thomas. I mean, do you want to be that guy? Well, oh, what'd you do when we get to heaven? Hey man, what's your name? Thomas. Doubting Thomas? You're famous, bro. And he's like, I know. Well, you know, okay. But today, what I think we're going to see is there's a little bit of Thomas in all of us. And it's really okay. And I think the way that Jesus responds to Thomas and the way that he responds to people who are having a hard time believing in the miraculous gift of who he is, like we'll see some beautiful, beautiful pictures of the goodness of God. And so when we celebrate the resurrection, we got to believe. And so if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in the gospel of John chapter 20. Okay, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. All the words are on the screen for you. But let's take a look at what this says. John chapter 20, verse 24, it says this. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, everyone say Didymus. Didymus. There's no real reason I had you say that other than it just sounds cool. (laughs) Kind of flows off, right? Didymus literally means twin. That's what it's translated as twin. So we know Didymus had a twin. His name's Thomas. I just think it's kind of a cool name. It rolls off the tongue really well. So, Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And we all look at Thomas in this moment. And there's probably a little bit of us that are like, dude, you, you don't get it, man. You saw Jesus. All your friends just told you they saw Jesus. Like, here's this incredible good news. But I want you to get into the framework and the mindset of Thomas. Thomas' worst nightmare had just been experienced. Thomas, if we go earlier into the gospels, there's this moment where Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And you know who speaks up in that moment and says, you know what? We're going with you and we'll die with you. Thomas. Thomas is the disciple who said to Jesus like, hey, wherever you go, we're going to go. But Thomas also thought, like so many of us, that that Jesus was there to get rid of Rome when Jesus was really to die for his sins and the sins of the world. And so what happens is is Thomas, he gets in this feeling, in this moment of, man, this might just be too good to be true. And Thomas, like so many of us, didn't want to put his heart on the line. Like he just didn't want to be disappointed Again, he didn't want to say like, man, I've, I've put so much out there. I've put so much of my belief in this. And man, when Jesus died and was put into a tomb, man, I don't know if I can handle that kind of disappointment again. And so let me ask all of us a question. Are you worried about getting your hopes up? I mean, some of us in this room, if you're like me, you guard yourself from good things in this life because, man, sometimes they don't work out. Like, okay, let me give you guys an example. Anyone got an email from a crown prince somewhere in the Middle East or Africa, and they tell you, hey, I'm in trouble. I found your email. I don't know where, but I found you. If you send me $100, I will give you a million when I take my kingdom back over. And here's the deal. No judgment here. Some of you are like, I hit the jackpot. Okay, okay. And he gave a hundred bucks and then he needed more and he needed more. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't, I, that's a made up country. I didn't even know that. <laughs> but then now that you've experienced something like that, maybe it's not that email, maybe it's something else. Now there's good things presented to us. And we begin to doubt those things. We begin to think like, man, this is just too good to be true. I don't want to get my hopes up because if I get my hopes up, then I'm setting myself up to be really hurt. And some of us in the room, let's just be honest. You've gotten your hopes up. You've, you've seen things. You've heard preachers tell you certain things that if you do this, if you give like this, if you pray this much, if you pray this way, then God's gonna do all these things. And it didn't happen. And you're like, man, I, I, I don't know if I can, I can get my hopes up and be disappointed like that again. That's Thomas. We all look at Thomas like Thomas is this cynic. I think Thomas is a wounded person who had his hopes set in who Jesus was. And when things happened the way that they did, he's like, man, I can't get my hopes up again. I don't know if I can get through this disappointment again. Is that us in the room today? Is it just maybe the resurrection of Jesus like just sound too good to be true? Like he went into the grave and then three days later he rose again? man, what if he's not real? Man, what like wh- I, I prayed and it didn't work. I, I, what if the, all this is fake? What if, what if God doesn't want me? And you just you began to like not get your hopes up because man, you don't want to sense rejection or failure or to feel like you've been duped. Thomas was certain that he would never see Jesus again. This comes from a commentator. It says this, he refused to get his hopes up only to have them dashed once more. So he announced skeptically. You know, Thomas is, is really interesting because he fears the worst. And a lot of us in here, because you've experienced the world and it's beaten you down and I get it. Then we begin to expect the worst. We, we, we begin to expect the hardest of things. But can I put something before you? Because we're gonna see something really interesting in the Bible here. That doubt is part of the journey. Maybe you've been in churches that said, don't you ever doubt it's the worst thing ever. Thomas is in the Bible, and it's highlighted in his doubt. Others doubt the goodness of God, and it's highlighted in the Bible. Listen, doubt is only the fact that you're not sure what the truth is, but true doubt is that you're seeking the truth. I think doubt can be a great thing. You know why? Because when you doubt, and you really seek the truth, and you find the truth, now you get to own it. It's not something that was told to you. It's something you found. And it's something you can always make your way back to. I think doubt is one of the greatest gifts that we're given. Because now we can really find it. I remember when I was first in college, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I had wonderful parents, but church wasn't part of my life. And so when I got to college, I began to feel this call of God on my life, and I, I got saved, and then I started to pursue the ministry. But my first year of seminary, I had a lot of doubt. My first year of seminary, I mean, like, I'm going to school to be a pastor, and I'm doubting if God exists. And I thought, man, if I'm going to give my whole life to this, this better be real. <laughs> right? Right? Because, like, I know some preachers make a lot of money. This preacher doesn't make a lot of money. And so I was like, this better be real. And I spent a whole year of my life doubting. In fact, my boss, some of you guys know Elmer Towns, he gave me a full-ride scholarship to go back to undergrad so I could go to med school. And then as I was in those biology classes, I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> and so... God just said no graciously, and then just keep pursuing truth, keep pursuing truth, and God will do that for you. God will do that for you. And what I got down to is I, I, I had to come to God in a very logical way, not just an experiential way. I, I have a hard time trusting experience. And so I began to ask the question, like, what's the best explanation for the universe? Man, God, I think God is the best explanation. So if there's this God who made the universe, does that God want to be known? And then, yeah, I think he does, because there's beauty in the world. And why would we be able to perceive beauty if a creator didn't want us to perceive it? And then I thought, man, artists kind of like they want to be known, like not in a a way of, of like pride, but like the beauty that God produced in this world. And I said, okay, so who is that? And no doubt in my mind, it's Jesus Christ. But I had to get there. I had to fight through it. I had a crisis in my life. Because here's what I believe. Doubt is part of the journey. You see, because everybody gets on to Thomas here. But I want to read something. Maybe you've glanced over this before in the past. Luke 24, verses 9 to 11, it says this. When they came back from the tomb, this is Mary and others, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others who told this to the apostles. Verse 11. But they did not believe the women. Because their words seem like what? Nonsense. Let me give you another translation. Too good to be true. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripe, the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Not he went away going, oh, he's risen. He walks away going, something happened. I don't know what happened. But we just experienced a lot, so I'm not going to get my hopes up. Now, what we find out just a little bit later in the story here is that the disciples are freaking out because Rome is after them. They're the followers of this one whom they have just crucified, and they want to snuff out the rest of the following. And so the Bible says that the disciples, except for Thomas, are in a room with a locked door. What does that tell you? They're scared. And then Jesus shows up in the room. The door doesn't need to be unlocked. He just shows up. Could this be a word for you and I that Jesus doesn't need to unlock the door of your life? He can just show up in your life. And Jesus shows him the markings and the disciples believe. But that's where we pick up our text with Thomas because Thomas wasn't there. I I think Thomas was so dismayed By what had just happened. That he just couldn't be around. Anybody been so disappointed. You just couldn't be around the same people you were for a while. And so Thomas gets into this place. Where he's like. I I don't know about this. I don't know what goes on. But let me just tell you something. For the other apostles. I mean these guys like write books in the New Testament. These guys perform miracles. Every single apostle doubted. That should be so comforting to you and I that the 12 who walked with him, really the 11 who walked with him, Judas had a problem. <laughs> For Judas, I think doubt led, led to demise. He, I don't know if he was seeking. I don't know. But here's what I'd say. Let's say they're the 11, the best of us. And the best of us doubted. So if you're in this room, you're in great company you 're in normal company you're in a place where I think God can speak into your life. The question is, are you open to it? See, Thomas was so doubting and struggling, and I think for the right reasons that he he's the only one who put a condition on it hey if if i if I put my finger into the nail holes, if I put my hand into his side, then i 'll believe, but if not i 'm not believing this is, This is too much for me to deal with. That leads me to my next point. What do you really need to believe in this room? I mean, honestly, it, like, can we just be fair in this room that there, like, there's some things in our life that probably like there's conditions. And here's what I'm here to tell you. If your conditions are to test God, that's not good. But if your conditions are to seek God, it is. Thomas's conditions were genuine. <laughs> This wasn't him testing God. This wasn't him saying like, hey man, you need to do another magic trick. I need to see a miracle. I need to see something like that. Like so many other people had done for Jesus in his life. Thomas is saying like, I'm genuinely seeking this. If I see this, then I will believe. But if not, I don't think I can risk this again. So let me ask you in this room, what are like, what do you need to believe? What do you need? Do you need a massless road experience? Do you need him to show up in a locked room? Do you need him to do something in your, like, what is it? And all I say, this is so wrong. This is bad. This is all these things. We're going to see that God graciously met Thomas right where he was. But let me ask you, like, what do you need? Because there's a reality of, of what this text is saying. And it's saying it to all of us today on this Easter Sunday. Do you believe in the resurrection? Not just celebrate it. Are you seeking God? And are you believing that he'll speak to you? That he'll show up in your life? Through circumstance, through people. Maybe he is showing up for you today in this message. Because you drove here and you're doing your good diligence. And you're here with your family. And you're just here to be a peacemaker. And you're here just so that Easter supper or Easter lunch or brunch or whatever you're going to do. Isn't awkward because you didn't go to church. And so you're just here. Because you're doubting. Is God speaking to you right now? Like, man, this isn't the Easter message I thought we were going to talk about. I thought we were going to talk about kicking in graves. We are going to talk about kicking in graves. But the question is, what do you need to believe? I believe That Thomas in verse 25, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I think for Thomas, this is so genuine. So here's the deal. Have you said it yet? In your heart, in your prayers to someone else, have you said it yet? This is like, this is it. And I'm not here to test God because I desperately want God to be real. I desperately want him to be real, but I'm just not sure. And there's a lot riding on this situation. But here's what I want you to see what happens in the Bible. Jesus meets us in our doubt. Jesus meets us in our doubt, John 20, 26, and 27, a week later. Wasn't that minute, right? Some of you are like, I'm waiting on God. Sometimes it takes a week, guys. God's preparing you. He's getting you ready. Because let me just tell you something. For some of us, God's going to let us be in our doubt to get our hearts desperate enough that we'll actually get the answer. Has anybody ever been kind of desperate but not so desperate and got the answer early but you didn't believe it? This is what you need, young person. This is what you need, young man. This is what you need, young woman. You're like, I kind of have need, but I think I'm good. Cool. Until you have need, and now you really need somebody to show up. And you're like, I believe now. Let me ask you, is your heart ready to receive the truth? Not only are you seeking God, but are you ready to be shown? Are you ready to receive? Jesus meets us in our doubt. A week later, verse 26, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. All right, he's back. Though the doors were locked, they're still scared. They saw the resurrected Jesus, but it was still scary. Could that be a word for anybody in here? They saw the resurrected Jesus, and they still were worried. They were still fearful. Things were still happening in their life. They weren't quite understanding everything that was implied here. So the door's locked. Jesus came. Notice it doesn't say, and Jesus kicked down the door. Jesus didn't knock. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Are you getting a peace be with you moment today? And then look at what it says. He walks in, he says, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, He knew Thomas's doubt before Thomas ever even got to say it. He knew what Thomas was really struggling with. He knew the heartache of Thomas. Notice he didn't say like, where were you last week, man? We had a meeting, you weren't here. You're getting Chick-fil-A? Come on, get here. (laughs) No. I want you to notice how intentional our savior is to meet the one who's struggling. Peace be with you, Thomas. Immediately he goes to Thomas and says this, put your finger here see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. What is Jesus saying? I know the worry that's been on your heart. I know the doubt that's been residing in your soul. I know what you're struggling with. And I'm here to enter the situation and meet you right where you are. And that's the good news for all of us in this room. Jesus will meet you right where you are right now but he's going to take you to some place you've never been. And so what Jesus does is he says, look, exactly what Thomas's doubt was, without Thomas even having to say it in the moment, Jesus goes, "I know." What does that show us in the Bible? Jesus is God. He's omniscient. He shows up in a locked room. Boom, he's just there. And then he already knows what Thomas was doubting and and what he was struggling with when he wasn't in the conversation. He's showing Thomas, I'm everything you've hoped for. And all your doubt, I'm here to help. And I'm here to answer that question. I'm here to help you deal with this. Jesus knew what Thomas needed before he said it. God knows what you need before you say it. But here's the deal. Say it. Be open to the point that, hey, here's what it is, and I'm genuinely seeking, and I'm genuinely asking you to show up in my life, and I am struggling. I'm going to say it because when you say it and you put it out there, are you ready to receive it? Anybody in here ever asked someone like, hey, can I have some constructive criticism? You know, like you said, like, no, 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 I won't get upset. (laughs) Be brutal, okay? Tell me what you really felt. How was it? And then they're like, uh, you've done better. And you're like, oh, no. That means you asked for it. You weren't ready to receive it. Because here's what happens. What do you do? What do you know? Huh? Who made you a preaching expert? Huh? Huh? Who made you a gardening expert? What do you even know? And you're like, but you asked for the truth, but you weren't ready to receive it. Ah, are you guys asking for the truth? But let me ask you a question. Are you ready to receive it? Thomas was ready. Thomas was ready. Thomas goes, this is my question and I'm honest about it. Please, please prove me wrong. Please, please show up. Please, please do something. I want to believe what they just experienced. I want to experience the same thing. But man, my heart is so hardened and and I'm so hurt and I'm so disappointed. This is a week after the first Easter, guys. Thomas, if you're in here sitting in doubt, you were sitting where Thomas was 2,000 years ago. We're no different. And he walked with Jesus for a really long time. Some of you in here, you're doubting. You're in a new phase of your faith. You believe for a very long time and you had no doubts. But as you've gotten older, the doubts are creeping in. Let them be known. Jesus meets us in our doubt. Look at what the Bible says. As we get ready to end with our last point this morning. My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. This is the last confessional statement in the Gospel of John. This is the high statement in the gospel of John where he's saying, you are the Lord. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Thomas's doubt hadn't become decisive in his life yet. See, some of us in here have doubts. And because we're not really open to the truth, we've allowed those doubts to become decisive. And you've made up your mind. And you're like, why didn't God show up in my life? You've made up your mind. Your doubt became decisive. The beautiful thing is, is you can choose to be open. You can choose to begin to receive the goodness of God in your life. You can choose to allow God to speak into your life. The question is, do you want it and are you seeking it? Notice what happened to Thomas. Jesus met him in such a powerful way that he didn't need to put his hands in the nail marks. He didn't need to put his hand in Jesus' side. When Jesus showed up so miraculously and powerfully in his life, Thomas just goes, my Lord, my God. And in that moment, all that sorrow, all that disappointment, all that fear, You can just like almost hear it melting away. My Lord, my God. And you know what happens to Thomas? He dies for his faith, but there doesn't seem to be a doubt in his mind anymore. Why? Because he was honest about his doubt and he was genuinely seeking. When the truth was revealed to him, he received it. And that truth stuck with him for the rest of his life. Guys, we are celebrating the greatest day in human history. But we're not just celebrating a day. We really need to be celebrating a Savior. And the way that you and I celebrate the Savior in our life is to believe in him. And so right now, just in your life, let me ask you a question. What areas of your life do you need to be open to the work of God again? You're a doubting Thomas? Great. You're in great company. There's a lot of those in the Bible. And we see that our Savior, Jesus, meets him so graciously, so completely. It's perfect. And you know what the crazy thing about the gospel of John is? The very next few verses, John goes, this is why I wrote this gospel. This is the last statement of confession of who Jesus is in the gospel of John. And it's the guy who doubted. Here's what John is saying. Be like Thomas. Have your doubts. Seek Jesus genuinely. And Jesus will meet you right where you are. He'll meet you in your doubt. He'll speak to your doubt. You just got to be ready to receive it. Because how many of us in here have been in a moment like Gideon? Gideon says, look, you called me. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go put this fleece outside. And uh, if it can be wet, like, then I'll know. And he, like, there's a lot of water, like buckets full. And then he's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. So I'm going to put the fleece out again, and if it's dry, then I'll believe. It's dry. Cool, 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 cool. He wasn't ready to receive Guys, are you ready to receive? Jesus is ready to meet you right where you are. That's the beauty of our Savior. And He's not here to kick down the door of your life, but He is waiting and letting you sit in your doubt so that you're ready to receive. And the Bible says it's so simple. It's the beauty of it. It's almost too good to be true. That if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart in Christ Jesus, you will be saved. You will be rescued. You will be redeemed. You will be forgiven. You will be washed white as snow. You will find yourself with him. You will be in heaven. I know it sounds too good to be true. But that's the goodness of God. And a lot of us have been measuring the goodness of God with the goodness of the world. But he's far better. So the question for us today is so simple. Do you think it's too good to be true? I'm going to encourage you not to put God to the test, but be genuine in your pursuit of him. What do you need to believe? Say it. We find no judgment here. We find no condemnation. He didn't show up and say, all right, you fool. Hey, I'm here now. Believe me now. No. Thomas, here, look. Look, believe, don't doubt. My Lord, my God, the grace of God shown in this moment is so beautiful. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to just take a moment to respond to the Lord as you would. Wherever you are, you don't have to come down to an altar for God to meet you. He shows up in locked rooms. So he shows up in locked hearts. He shows up in locked lives. He shows up in the hardest of places to get into. He shows up. So where do you need to believe today in the goodness of God? And it's not too good to be true. So as Cody comes up, I'm going to pray. And then we have a special moment we're going to celebrate together in just a second. Okay? So would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your word and your truth. We thank you for the goodness of who you are. We thank you for how righteous and holy you are. We thank you that you show up in our doubt and you answer our questions and you are patient and loving to us. And when we genuinely seek you, you will show yourself to us. And so God, I pray today for any person in here today that needs to believe in the goodness of God, that needs to believe in who you are. And it's not too good to be true. But it's the greatest news that the world has ever told. And we're not just celebrating a moment. We're celebrating a savior. We're celebrating the death of sin and death. We're celebrating the victory that we have in you. And we will remember the goodness of who you are. And so God, may we sing as freed people. May we sing with joyous hearts. May we sing with newfound faith. But if there's anybody in here who's doubting, I pray for them right now, God, that they would be courageous in their doubt and to say it and to be genuine in their pursuit. And God, I pray today, even in this moment, you would reveal yourself in a mighty way to every single person in this room, because we don't just remember a day where God showed up 2000 years ago. You are the living Christ and you show up every day and you show up in our lives. And so Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear and may we respond in faith. And Lord, if there's any person in here who's never trusted in your resurrection, who's never believed that you live for them, that you died for them and you rose again showing victory over sin and death, including theirs. And that whoever would believe and confess that Jesus is Lord and they would repent and turn from their sins will be saved. And so Lord, I pray we take you up on the good news and we would confess and believe. And if there's a person in here today that needs to do that, would they come down and meet me? Would they meet one of our pastors? Would they meet one of the staff? Would they grab a friend's hand? Whatever they need to do, but today would be the day that Easter Sunday would not just be a day where we remember that Jesus rose again from the grave, but today would be a day where people who were dead now come alive in faith and that we would walk forward in faith and confess and believe in you. So, God, give them strength, give them courage, give them the faith to believe today. God, we love you, we honor you, and we will praise you in this song now. You are worthy of our worship. And all God's people said, amen. Would you join us in worship?